Church. We are here to help each other worship, live, and rescue like Jesus. For more info on who we are, go to cpmodesto.org. step into two weeks on discipleship. Um, This week, we're going to talk about what discipleship is and uh, questions accordingly. And next week, we're going to talk about kind of the where of discipleship. Paul says in Philippians 4, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you've learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. Romans 12, Paul says, uh, don't be conformed by this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Um, 1 Thessalonians 5 says, rejoice always, um, pray without ceasing, give thanks. In Psalm 1, David writes, Blessed is the one who meditates on the word of the Lord day and night. There is this theme in scripture that says that we are to always be focused on these things. Why is that? I'll come back to that. Discipleship. I want you to kind of put away the things that maybe you've thought about the word discipleship and the images and the activities and the things that come with the word discipleship. And I wanna do as best as we can this morning to start with a blank slate. Discipleship is learning to speak, to walk, to practice, and to think like someone or something else. That's what discipleship is. Discipleship is not contained to those who follow Jesus. Discipleship is is those things. What, what, here's the thing. We are being discipled and discipling every minute of every day. And that's not just true for me, but that's true for everything. In fact, non-humans are discipling. What we consume, what we take in, is discipling us. Everything we take in is discipling us. Everything that goes out from me is discipling the people around me toward something. Everything. Everything you take in and experience is shaping your view of the world, it's shaping your view of yourself, and it's shaping your view of God. Every single thing. Whether we recognize that or not. So everything in our lives is lived within the context of discipleship. And that's true for everyone. Not just people who recognize Jesus or people who don't recognize Jesus. Everything in our lives is within the context of discipleship, what's coming in to our lives and what's going out from our lives. And so here's the thing, and here's, here's where that stuff that I just read, why it's so important. 
Because if you and I are not taking in content or experience or whatever it is that we're being influenced by or sending out from us, those things, those things, those things that we're taking in are, are recalibrating ourselves to whatever those things are pointing us toward. So if we're not taking in content experience and, and influences that is actually helping us recalibrate ourselves to Jesus, then you are being discipled in a direction other than toward Jesus. So I, I have to admit that I make decisions throughout the day and I am discipled sometimes toward Jesus and sometimes away from Jesus. So discipleship, particularly in the context of scripture and following Jesus. Because again, um, all the news that you watch is discipling you. Hollywood is discipling you. Our government is discipling you. Your political ideology is discipling you. But, but when we talk about being discipled toward Jesus, we're, we're, we're talking about something, a very specific focus. See, the designation of a person who's been forgiven and restored by Jesus Christ is Jesus' disciple. Disciple is then the dominant designation of that person's life. They are a disciple of Jesus. And this kind of disciple is biblically informed. What I mean by that is there's a particular character that this discipleship is inherent within. So the first thing is this, is that discipleship toward Jesus is disruptive. Luke 9, 23 and 24, Jesus says, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whomever would save his life would lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. Discipleship toward Jesus is disruptive. It means denying myself it means I no longer maintain control of my own life and my own activity and my own agenda. Not just deny certain things, but control of my own life. He says, take up your cross. That has to do with my comfort. Surrender leading to suffering and even death. That's what it includes. Follow me. It is not convenient to follow other people, <laughs> except on social media, then it's easy to follow because you don't have to do anything. But following Jesus is very different than that because it is being alert and aware of where he is going and what he's doing, no just coasting. Second thing that biblically informed discipleship is, discipling towards Jesus, is it, it is detailed. Matthew 28, 16 through 20, I've heard this a thousand times. Jesus came and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am always with you to the end of the age. Central focus of being a disciple of Jesus is making disciples of Jesus. That's the central focus. The aspects of the process is that we go, we baptize, and we teach obedience. That's how you make disciples of Jesus, <laughs> the central focus. And then the third thing 
about being discipled toward Jesus is that it is defined. John 13, verse 34 and 35 says this. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you, you are also to love one another. By this, all people will know you are my disciples if you have love for one another. And you know what? That is what is unique and precise about following Jesus. No other discipleship track in the world brings you to a place where you truly love others. That is the distinction. If I am not loving others, then I'm not being discipled toward Jesus, period. And it's love in the character and scope of Jesus, even to death for my enemies. And this is what distinguishes being a disciple of Jesus versus being a disciple of anything else. So discipleship then is learning to speak like Jesus, to walk like Jesus, to have the practices of Jesus, and to think like Jesus. That's what discipleship is. It is, it is learning to speak like Jesus. You know, Luke 6 and Matthew 12 say, when Jesus is teaching his disciples, he talks about good as trees and bad fruit and, and good trees and good fruit and all of that. And what he, what he says in both of these passages, he, he says this, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Learning to speaking like Jesus is learning to have the heart of Jesus because what comes out of our mouths betrays what's in our hearts. You can't say something and then say, well, that's not really who I am. That is who I am. <laughs> because out of the heart, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So we learn to speak like Jesus, have the heart of Jesus. We, we learn to walk like Jesus, walk like Jesus, our behavior. Ephesians 5, I encourage you to read the whole, the whole chapter, but Paul says this, he says, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but wise, making the best use of time because the days are evil. Therefore, don't be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Understand what the will of the Lord is. And then talked about practices of intimacy. Not only is it speaking and walking like Jesus, but it's taking on the, the practices of Jesus. Last week, Kyle talked about practices of intimacy. So we take on those practices that Jesus said. Jesus prayed, he fasted. He gave of all of himself. He was constantly focused on his father and meditating on God's word. Also, though, uh, Paul says in Philippians chapter two, he says, have this mind among yourself, the mind of Christ, and practice oh, humility and self-sacrifice. Discipleship is also learning to think like Jesus, which engages our mind. Romans 12, again, says, um, present yourself as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, 
which is your spiritual act of worship. Don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind and that by, the, by testing you may discern what the will of, the, of God is. 1 Corinthians 2 says that the natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God for they are folly to him and is not able to understand them. The spiritual person judges all things, but he himself is to be judged by no one. For who understands the, the mind of the Lord as to instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ. So making disciples or discipleship toward Jesus is not an act, making disciples in general is not an activity that is unique to Christians. Everyone makes disciples. Every entity, every person is making disciples. When I was growing up, there's a commercial, maybe some of you will remember this, when we actually watched commercials and didn't fast forward them or watch streaming. I love it. But it's a commercial. It was a family kind of went into their house and there's a dad and a son and the son was in his bedroom and his dad walked in and he was doing drugs. It was an anti-drug commercial. And I remember in the commercial, the dad was really upset about it and he said, where did you learn this from? You remember the commercial? He said, I learned it from you, dad. Anybody remember that commercial? Yeah. Here's the thing. In that context, dad was discipling his son toward the activity of using drugs. Everyone disciples all the time, no matter who you are. So for those of us who've chosen to surrender their lives to Jesus we then are called and repositioned, recalibrated, aligned in a way that we uniquely make disciples of King Jesus and only King Jesus. So everything I do then as a Jesus follower, everything I do, everything I say, everything I post, is making disciples of something or someone. And the calling on my life is to make disciples of Jesus. And this is why we have to be wise and cautious about how we speak, how we walk, what we practice, and how we think. Because all of that 100% of the time is discipling those towards something and I'm being discipled towards something. Because you see, if we're not careful, we will make disciples as Jesus followers of Jesus and. If we're not careful, we will make people, disciples of Jesus and self-help. We will make people disciples of Jesus and political ideologies. We will make people, of, we will make people disciples of Jesus and the environment which God created rather than God himself. Interesting, the, the, the 
emphasis in scripture on what comes out of our mouths and lives. And we tend to apply that to not saying bad things or using foul language. I don't know if I agree with myself here. I would rather have the foulest language mouth. I don't know if this works. That doesn't work. Never mind. Scratch that. <laughs> what I was going for is that I think using a curse word versus combining Jesus with some other thing that we're discipling people toward is far more dangerous than using a curse word. I think that's what I was trying to say, but I don't even know if that makes sense. But you get what I'm saying? So here's the thing, discipleship is the process of me learning to speak, walk, practice, and think like Jesus and influencing others toward the same process. Discipleship is something that happens in two places at the same time. It is me moving toward Jesus and my life moving others toward Jesus. I cannot disciple others to recalibrate themselves to Jesus if I am not continuously recalibrating myself to Jesus. Discipleship is simultaneously my growth in Jesus and influencing others toward Jesus. Discipleship is not dependent on the state of those around me whom I am influencing. Discipleship doesn't take into consideration the state of the people around me. I'm discipling them no matter what state they're in. So that is discipleship. This morning, I want to invite Travis and Brett to come up here, and we would love to dig deeper into your questions about discipleship. Hi. You want me to read the questions? That'd be great. Let's do that. I, do, I didn't even do the Slido thing, so I, I realized that. Here we go. I have no idea what the questions are. Uh, a person named Anonymous asks this great question. What are a couple of practical steps I can take this week toward living out discipleship? I love that, this week. Yes. What are a couple of practical steps I can take this week towards living out discipleship? Um, first of all, good morning. Um, I think uh, the, the first thing that pops into my mind, and I think this is, um, isn't too, too like insulting or anything, but I think, I think the two things is one, um, uh, spend intimacy with, with Jesus. Like that, that is always, I think in discipleship, the foundation of, of all of it. Um, we can't, we can't tell people or, or demonstrate who Jesus is if we don't know him. Um, so that'd be like the first thing. And then I think the second thing um, is, is just kind of kind of do it. So, and let me break that down just a bit. I, I think the more time you spend in intimacy with Jesus, those discipleship moments that include someone else um, become more obvious. And, 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 um, and I think we become more courageous to step into that when we are close to Jesus. I, I think one of the big things as we're going through this series, 
I think what we're doing is we're talking about these things, whether it's forever family, whether it's um, spiritual rhythms, discipleship. These are all things that are the, 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 you can't reduce Christianity following Jesus to anything less than these things. And, and so these are all related things. So I would say, specifically this week, how do you live out discipleship? And I think what Brett said is super important. Uh, it's, it's pursuing that intimacy with Jesus. I don't know that we can really pursue discipleship without spending time with Jesus. Uh, so one of the things that I was thinking about for me as I was wrestling with this is this. At the beginning of the day, I need to start with the question of, or, or even maybe the statement or the resolve of today, I am going to make sure that to the best of my ability, I am going to point people towards Jesus specifically in my speech, in my actions, in, in what I'm practicing, and in my thought life. At the end of the day, I need to take an inventory and say, did, did I disciple towards Jesus today? Did I disciple towards Jesus? And did I engage in things that brought me closer to Jesus today? And, and I, think, I think it's that thing of, it's that thing that, that I read at the beginning, like, okay, so what does that mean? It means focus on the things that are worthy of Jesus. It might mean spend less time in the news cycle this week. It might mean uh, spend more time looking for people who are struggling and listening to them and being with them, you know. Yeah, and I would say, too, like a real, real practical thing is, um, so <clears throat> discipleship has so much to do with who you spend the most time with and what you do during that time. I think, I think those two questions are, are huge. And, and so for me, yeah, definitely it starts with that time with the Lord in prayer and in the word and worship in the morning so that my heart, my, my heart's compass is oriented towards wanting to be like him. If that, if that desire isn't there, I don't think I'm going to be super motivated to be either being discipled or making disciples. As far as being discipled, though, you may have already um, a friend or a mentor that you meet with regularly who loves the Lord that maybe what you're doing during that time is just getting together and hanging out. Sometimes it's not about starting something new. It's about... Um, engaging something uh, that you're not already doing in a relationship in a time you already have? What if there are people that you already meet with that you could be investing in each other and you just say, you know what, we tend to just hang out and drink coffee and talk about whatever, but what if we, what if we focused this toward this thing we already do towards let's be speaking to each other about what God is saying to us, what he's teaching us in the word, praying for each other, confessing our sins to each other. You can turn a mundane relationship into a disciple-making relationship and not add anything to your calendar. 
Um, I mean, that can happen. If you don't have someone who's mentoring you, discipling you, I think that's a really important thing because we can only pour out what is poured, poured in. And so that time with the Lord is important. A time with another believer is really important. If you don't have a spiritual mentor, start praying about that. And if you're like, I don't know where to start, call us, email us, carry your pigeon, whatever, at the church here, and we would love to uh, do whatever we can do to hook you up with a spiritual mentor because we all need that. And then the, the other question is, who am I discipling? Well, are you one or a half step farther than anyone you know in, in following Jesus? Are you just that much further in your relationship with Christ than someone? Then you can lead them to that next step through prayer, through the power of the Holy Spirit. You don't have to have Bible degree. You don't have to, um, you know, know, know everything. You just have to know what the Lord's done for you. And, and, and in those relationships, and again, you may already be in these relationships, so you may be spending time with a person you need to disciple, and it's just about what are we doing as we spend time together. Or it may be that God's going to send you out to someone you don't even know, or he's going to let you meet someone, or there's going to be someone in the church, whatever that may be. Um, it's, it's all, he's going to tell you through prayer though. He's going to tell you through listening in that time with him. Yeah. And, and I just think remembering and being aware that every moment of every day I am being discipled. What is this, what is this discipling me toward in this moment? And what am I discipling other towards in this moment? Which kind of takes away some of, some of my preferences and some of the things that I see as my rights to do and say, because in that moment, I might be discipling someone in a different direction. Yeah. Uh, next question. Stephen asked this question, and it's, I, I really like it. Um, good job, Stephen. Um, if everything I see slash do slash experience is discipling me towards or away from Jesus, should I never watch a secular movie slash TV show or listen to secular music? <laughs> Stephen, I cannot believe you've ever watched TV. You little soon. No. <laughs> That is, that, that is, is, isn't that kind of the, isn't that kind of the, the question? Um, I can say that uh, there's a group of people, there's a movement that, that answered that question, and it's called the mon monastic movement. And they huddled up in caves and cliffs and built monasteries, and they really had no interaction outside of themselves. In fact, some of them didn't even talk. talk. That didn't turn out, I mean, it was, there's some aspects of that that was really good, but it was not necessarily healthy. Because clearly, as those who know Jesus, we cannot remove ourselves from the world around us. Um, and if you go anywhere, you'll be exposed to things. I, I think the most important thing is, is looking at the volume that I'm taking in and how I'm taking it in. Discernment is so important, so important. Um, there are certain things that we should not expose ourselves to, things that we clearly should not expose ourselves to. There are other things that we just need to use great discernment as we expose ourselves to those things. So whether it's listening to music or watching movies or, uh, or, or, or watching the news, all of those things, or having conversations about current events, things like that, we need to recognize and use discernment to say, is this moving me in a, in a place away from Jesus? And how can I look at this and move toward Jesus in this? Um, 
we can find because this is, this is God's created world, and even though there's sin and it's fallen, we see God's fingerprints everywhere. We see God's fingerprints in some of the, mo- some of the, most, some of the worst places in our, in our world. And we see God's fingerprint. And if we have discernment as we walk through those things, we can find those things and even major on those things. And in those places, in those contexts, we can actually, by our lives and behavior, help other people start to speak like Jesus, to think like Jesus, to walk like Jesus, to practice the practices of Jesus. We can actually bring those things into that and move people in that direction. I think the biggest thing is, though, I cannot expect that the, the bulk, the majority of what I'm taking in will not move me in that direction. So I need to be careful that I don't, and that I'm not always ingesting things that are not going to very specifically move me toward Jesus. Yeah, I, that word discernment, I think, is, is huge. And, and, and it feels like when we say it, we'll just have discernment. How? Like, like, how do I know I'm hearing from God? How do I know that I'm discerning what is right and what's wrong? And that's a really hard kind of squishy question. But um, here, here's what I've learned um, is that the more time I spend with the Lord, the more clearly his voice comes through. And, like, I, I just don't think there's a shortcut for that. Let me just tell you a story, just like what God said to me yesterday. Um, so for me, my way of unwinding at night is once the kids are in bed and stuff like that, there's a few YouTube channels I like to watch. They're typically cooking channels, right? And uh, so I'm wa- I mean, there's nothing intrinsically evil about me like watching Jamie Oliver make uh, coronation chicken. That's what I watched yesterday. I'll, I'll send the link to you all. Um, <clears throat> <laughs> there's nothing evil about what I'm watching or ingesting, nothing. But the Lord really got um, on my heart about this because, you know, I've been watching those and then you know how YouTube works on that channel. You'll watch another one and then another one and another one. Pretty soon I'm staying up past the bedtime. Yes, I have a bedtime. I'm a grown man and I have a bedtime. The bedtime I've set for myself so that I can get up and be alert in the morning earlier than I absolutely have to be to spend time with the Lord. And the Lord said to me, Jamie Oliver is robbing me of my time with you. That guy from England who knows how to cook, who doesn't know who you are, is getting time with you because you're pushing snooze in the morning because you're staying up too late. This wasn't a right or wrong thing. This was a discernment thing that the Lord had to say, Travis, it's not wrong what you're doing, but what are you exchanging my time with you in the morning for? And so it wasn't going to be something the Bible is going to say this is wrong or right. Like, you know, things that are very clearly wrong and right. Even to the degree of what you're doing isn't wrong, but I need you to adjust what you do so that you can spend time with me. There are obviously things that, that content that we just, and songs, things like that, that are just never going to be okay for us, you know, movies, whatever, that are never gonna be okay for us. I think there's, those are pretty clear the rest of that question, though, I just would love to, for all of us to have this perspective that the Holy Spirit is our number one discipler. He is the one. His voice is never going to be wrong. So if I'm hearing him correctly, I'm, I'm going to be making those discerning. That's what discernment is, is hearing from the Holy Spirit and doing what he says. So I cannot shortcut 
that time with the Lord where I learned to hear his voice more and more and more. And then those questions of, should I watch this movie? Should I listen to this song? Is this band that I love beneficial for me? I think he can make those clear. I can't answer that for you. Matt can't, Brett can't. We can't answer that for each other except for the stuff that is black and white. So I'm, that's, that's it. Yeah, I think it's a, um, I think this is a, just a, in, in a way, just an age old battle. Um, and I think for, for those of us who follow Jesus, that temptation to move towards kind of that monastic, I'm gonna remove myself from society completely. Um, and, and then on the other side to kind of say, well, I'm gonna like, you know, be open to anything. Um, there's there's a tension between between all of that, and I think discernment is is again I would I would echo the same thing like a really really important component to that. Um, I would I would just I guess the only piece I would maybe add is um, if if this is if this is an area of struggle, and I think that for all of us at different points it is. Um, uh, we can deal with that by ourselves or we can deal with that with, with community. And, and so um, I know there's, there's times when I felt like, like maybe my, um, the volume of intake of like some music um, maybe is, is a little too much. Um, I'll go to someone and say like, hey, I feel like this is something, so help me with this. Um, they only have as much control over my life as I'm willing to give them. So I have to be kind of willing to, to give that. But, um, but I think exploring this in community is important. Um, I also think that it's a really important thing to realize that um, these, the cultural things, movies, media, um, music, TV, those kind of things, um, those are also important for us to be able to connect with people in the world. And, and so... Um, yes, we need to be really wise with the things that we watch, and I think there are things that are completely out of out of line for us. Um, and there's other things that are really helpful for us to start those conversations with someone um, that starts about a TV show that morphs into, but this is and this is an example of how God loves us. And and so, like going back to the first question, one thing we can do is saying, okay, in this conversation I'm having. How do I share God's love? And maybe it's an offer to prayer. Maybe it's an offer to point out like, yeah, this, this is like a really hard thing, but here's how God loves us. Um, and, and so there is a bridge that, that um, uh, our culture allows us to connect with people in the disciple-making making place. Um, but I think community is also that, that important piece. Very, yeah, very true. Um, this is a really good question. As a parent... How do I balance discipling my children as well as the people around me? I think that's a real um, tension, yeah. right? Yeah. 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 I, 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 think, um, I, I think part of it is that I think discipleship is both um, formal and informal. And it's, it's the formal part that we get hung up on, I think, because we feel like, well, this has to be an official thing. For, for example, um, church is when we, when we are together with other believers. Sunday mornings is a formal gathering of people who make up the church. But actually, our time outside of this formal gathering 
is more influential in our lives and more significant because it's more of our lives. Um, so the formal discipleship saying, like, I'm in a discipleship relationship. We meet and we do these kinds of things. It's, I think it's the informal that actually is much more where we live and where we breathe and we move. And so, so I think, again, it's this, it's this two-sided coin of as I learn to speak and to walk and to practice and to think like Jesus, I am modeling and pulling other people by the way I talk, by the way I act, by the things that I do, and the way my, my head works, my, my mind works, I am discipling other people that way. And so, so I think one of, the, one of the things that has hit me lately is that um, if, if we are Jesus followers, and let's say we're parents, let's say you have a, a, group, of, a group of children in your house that that have come from you or you've adopted or whatever that looks like. And you're th- here's the thing. When they express faith in Jesus, they become disciples. And we have to start to see them then first as disciples and then as our children. And so having that mentality, now that is, there's age appropriateness. Um, they don't, again, being parents still and children, but... How often do we look at our children as disciples of Jesus first and say, actually, Jesus has a calling on their life now, presently, in the moment versus one day after I let them go? And so there's that thing. So discipling your children is, and I think there's a difference between discipling your children and growing your children to look a lot like you and be presentable in public. The, the road that I think most of us do because we're tired is that we just want them to be presentable. But we're not looking at them as disciples. And so that's a core place, and that takes a lot of time. And I think outside of that, as you, as parents, you're going to be interacting with other adults in different places. And so discipling other people outside of your children is going to be more that informal, often, especially if you're busy with little kids, it's going to be that informal discipleship but it's discipleship nonetheless. And so then you have to be really focused and intentional to say, am I, what I'm, how I'm interacting with the person, how I'm interacting with this person, I'm tired, I just had a bad morning getting the kids off to school, and now I'm out here at the grocery store, and I am so annoyed by the people around me. Is my presence here giving a better picture, moving people toward Jesus, or if they find out that I supposedly love Jesus, will that push them away from Jesus? Um, yeah, I, I think I would, I would just share um, discipling other people is discipling your children. So um, for me, I grew up, um, my dad was in prison. So when he, when he got out, he, um, he got involved in prison ministries. Um, so I was, um, I was like 12, 13 years old. Um, so if you have kids in that age, you'll understand what 12 and 13 year olds are like. Um, and I watched my dad meet with other men um, as they were transitioning out of prison into um, in, into kind of the life we live in. Um, and that was incredibly discipling to me. And, and so I think that we always have to remember that, that, um, that what we do, our kids see. And, and so if it's as important that we are, 
are in a discipleship relationship and discipling people um, outside of our kids because our kids see that. So I watched that. So I grew up realizing like, oh, this is what my dad did. So this is what I do. And, and I'll tell you, like, I don't think my dad that I can remember sat me down and said, okay, son, here's how you need to be discipling people. Um, that wasn't a conversation. I learned that because I watched him do it. And so that, that tension of is there enough time or what do we do, um, realize that your, your kids are seeing what is happening. Um, so it's, to me, it's, it's kind of like a, a good bang for your buck. Um, you, you get to do what God calls you to do, and your kids get to watch that. And in, the, in, in that, you are discipling them as much as you're discipling someone else. We, we're, we're right out of time here, but there, there's, one, there's two questions here that are kind of the same that I want to just ask, and maybe just a, a brief answer, and then we want to talk about some practices. Um, so, oh, where did it go? It moved. Slido, it moved. Oh, is the, anonymous, again, ask, is there a difference between making disciples slash discipling and influencing others? And then <clears throat> Brad Hahn, hi, Brad, uh, asks kind of the same question. Discipleship is not just a church deal, but applies to our influence in our life with those who um, are believers and not agree or disagree. Kind of the same question. Yeah, I, I, think, I think it'd be good for us to recalibrate ourselves to the idea that um, discipleship is your influence on other people. Um, because it is influencing others is moving them to think a certain way, right? Influence, when you are influencing someone, you are, you are transforming them from what they are into something else, or you are further, um, you are for putting them further into what they already believe. That's discipleship. Discipleship is to bring someone to a certain way of thinking, a certain way of speaking, that kind of thing. And so, so I think that we do need to, there's really no difference in discipleship and influence. Um, we are discipling. And I'd say just the other question. Um, yeah, uh, there, there, what, what was Brad, Brad's question was? Um, uh, Brad yes said, or no? uh, discipleship is not just a church deal, but he's making a statement. Yes says it's not just a church deal, but applies to our influence in all our life with those who are believers and not. That Agree, is a true disagree. statement. Yes. Okay. I, and I, I just, real quick on that, Brad, to that, um, uh, yes. Jesus told his disciples in Matthew 28, go make disciples of all nations. These are people who do not yet know Jesus. And he's saying disciple them. That is the commanding verb in that, in that sentence. Go and make disciples. Disciple all nations. These are people who don't currently know Jesus. So just to be clear once again, and we've said this before, I want to say it again. When we talk about disciple making, we're not talking about splitting evangelism and discipleship into two different categories. We're talking about leading people to Jesus wherever they are in their life. If they don't know Jesus, we disciple them to know Jesus. If they know Jesus, we disciple them to become more like him, obeying everything he's commanded. There's one command in that great commission, and it's to make disciples. That's for non-Christians. That's for believers. That's for everyone. If it's your kids and they believe, you're discipling them 
to obey Jesus, to do his commands, to make more disciples. If you're meeting someone out there or it's a family member or a friend who doesn't know the Lord, that relationship ought to be a discipling relationship where they become a Christian. They know Jesus because of the influence you've had in their life. So when we talk about disciple making, are we just talking about discipleship as we have in the past? Answer that, please. No. If we're talking about disciple making, are we, answer, are we just talking about evangelism? No. It's the whole gamut from wherever a person is all the way till death. That is our relationship with them to make disciples. We need to get to, Brett, did you have anything you want to say real quick on that? Uh, yeah, I would just, I, I would throw in there, um, it's easy to think that the people around us that we have influence in um, are, are there just by like random happenstance. Uh, I would just challenge that and say, um, start to think about the people around you that you have influence with as the people that God has already brought to you. Um, and, and so, um, why do you have influence? Is because God has given them favor, um, given you favor in their life. And he didn't do it just so that you'd be good friends. He did it so that you could bring them into a closer relationship with Jesus. So, what are some practices... And I, we kind of, this was kind of part of the questions already, but what are some practical things, some practices that we want to focus on when we're talking about uh, disciple-making, discipleship? What are the practices that we as people in God's church can be doing, the things we can be doing to be involved in this? And, and this, this is going to kind of, this week and next week flows into each other. Because we're talking about discipleship, what it is right now, and next week we'll be talking about um, the the where discipleship happens and even the who of discipleship. But um, I would say the biggest thing as a practice is, to me, it's a recalibration of what it means to be a disciple. Um, and, I, and I mentioned those three things, that discipleship is disruptive, it's detailed, and it's defined. And there's three passages that go along with that. Um, I need to recognize that, that discipleship is my whole life. Jesus wants all of me. Jesus doesn't want part of me. In every part of my life, every moment of my day, Jesus wants that for himself and to reflect him. And so I think for me, the, the practice for me is then meditating and letting Scripture basically rule my life in a sense that when I, when I see that in Luke where, where Jesus says, deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me, that's discipleship. That people will know I am a disciple of Jesus because of my love for others. That's dis, that, is, that is me discipling people toward Jesus. And so I think that the practice here is something that I think is a mindset change and it includes realizing that everything in my life is discipleship, being discipled and discipling others. And I think that's the biggest practice with this idea of discipleship. There's so much more in practice, which I think next week lends itself more to practice, but we have to understand discipleship and what being a disciple is first, I think. Uh, I, I'll just give a really practical step. Um, Start each day just asking God, say, God, who do you want me to share the gospel with today? And, and let that be um, the thing that is forefront on your mind. 
And, and I'm just going to tell you, maybe the Holy Spirit speaks to you and, and there isn't, and doesn't tell you a person, and maybe he tells you a person. So give, give space for both, but start your day off with that perspective of who do you want me to share the gospel with today? And then, um, and then just let the Holy Spirit speak to you through, through that day. Um, and let that be, you know, I know for me, oftentimes there's like, as I'm thinking through my day, there's usually like a pressing thing that is, is there. Um, let that be the pressing thing. Let that be the most critical thing on your mind that you have to set aside in order to do everything else. And so um, I think that's just a really easy practical step. And I think, again, this is part of the recalibration. When Brett says, ask the Holy Spirit, who, who can I share the gospel with today? The gospel being the good news of Jesus, which applies not just to believers, to unbelievers, both. People who know Jesus and who don't know Jesus. The gospel is the good news that Jesus has done what he's done and he's king of the universe. I, I just really quick would say... Um, there's an intentionality to it and a calendarizing of it, I think. So the intentionality is that when I'm with the people that God has spoken to me that I'm supposed to be discipling, let's just say my kids, um, when we're having those conversations, we have a lot of fun conversations. We laugh, we you know mess around, whatever. That's great. But when we have those conversations and it, it's so obvious that I need to be um, speaking truth from Scripture, um, I think taking that that opportunity and doing that, always bringing Jesus into it. My mom did this with me. She just brought Jesus into everything. Like, if, if I saw a bug outside that I liked or was, like, asking about, she would say, isn't that amazing how God made that bug to be that way? Like, just bringing Jesus into everything, I think, is, is huge. And, and giving enough time that the people that you're called to, that they have your time and it's not rushed. Also, uh, with kids, especially for me, it's admitting my mistakes as well. I disciple them not just by showing them how to do it wrong, but being really, really honest about when I've done it. Sorry, not about just being right, what the right, right way to do it, but when I've been wrong, being genuinely honest about that. The other thing, calendarizing. We calendarize the things that are important to us. We schedule the things that are important to us. Not that everything that's important has to be scheduled. But if there's not time on your calendar set aside to do the thing that is important to do, you're probably not going to do it. I'm probably not going to do it. So for me, practically, what that means is there's a day every week that I don't come down here and work in the office. I stay in Turlock where I live, and I go to a, a coffee shop, and I'm there, and I'm working. I promise you I'm, make, I'm, I'm earning my paycheck. I'm working, but my rule is when my friends who don't know the Lord come in and they come in and say hi to me or I see them and I say hi, I shut my laptop and I'm present with them and we have conversations that move from kind of surface to significant to spiritual. And I'm seeing God really move in that way. If I wasn't available with them, if I didn't set that in my calendar, and you may not be able to do that, like a lot of us can't do that. Um, I have a freedom to do that. Um, but we have, to, we have to prioritize and calendarize the things that are important. So if that's another Christian you're discipling, if that's someone who doesn't know the Lord that you're discipling, you have to plan times that your, your paths will intersect and then be intentional about that time and listening to the Holy Spirit in that time. Today is, is really, I think for me, a recalibration of how we think. Uh, and so I don't know if that's helpful, but next week we'll definitely be more specific and practical things. All right, first question from Anonymous. 
how do I disciple others when I've done a poor job of it in the past slash haven't represented Jesus well? It's a great question. How, I mean. Yeah. Who doesn't this apply to? <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, how, how do I disciple others if in the past I have discipled poorly? Um, I'd, I'd say here's the thing. You in this, in the, the person who asked this question, you are right, you are today, tomorrow, you are discipling others by what you say and how you think and, and what you do and how you practice your relationship with Jesus. So I, th- I think really a huge, hugely important thing, forever family, uh, intimacy with Jesus, spiritual practices, discipleship are not separate categories. They are all one thing. They are all together. They do not exist apart from each other. And so I would say um, two things in answer to that question. One, you need to look at what is discipling you. What influences are discipling you? Because that will result in you discipling others poorly. So first, look at what's discipling you and make some changes intentionally in that moment. And then secondly, remember and recognize that you are, you are discipling people. And so I think one of the most powerful thing in discipleship is to go to somebody who you have discipled poorly or who, who I, have, I have led in a direction that maybe isn't only toward Jesus and taken responsibility for it and apologize and said, you know what? I wasn't following Jesus the way I could have been. And in my, in that moment, I, I probably pointed you to a form of Jesus that does not exist in scripture. And so I want to apologize. And I, ju- I want you to know Jesus who is revealed in scripture. And I think that if that person says, nope, I refuse to accept that, that's the Holy Spirit's job. <laughs> yeah. And there may be <clears throat> some repentance needed on our behalf. Like if I'm realizing that there's something, how I've lived or how, what I've done in the past that I personally, like, am I just saying, hey, this is just this, you know, the way I am and so I'm going to be this way. Sorry, I messed, you know, I, I think there's, if we come to that place, like I have not represented Jesus well, there's that need to then turn to God and say, how do I repent? How do I respond in obedience to you better today than I did yesterday or the year before or the month before, receive his grace in that. But we do have a responsibility to be imaging Jesus well. So yeah, we're all in the same position and we're all called to a life of repentance, not just momentary repentance, but a life of turning from the things that don't honor God to God. That's that's where we're at. So yes, all of us have that ability to um, disciple people but our lives can also cause a, a hurdle for people. So I think living in that repentance and also receiving God's grace for the things that we're never going to be perfect. Um, it's that tension. And I just want to add to that. I, I, over my lifetime, have not intentionally, but in certain aspects, I have not pointed people toward the Jesus who's revealed in Scripture. I have pointed people toward some of my cultural identities, my preferences, and my opinions. And that's, 
part of what I have realized and recognized over the last few years is some of those things have become very clear to me in where I have not represented, I have not modeled Jesus authentically. Uh, and, and I think that that is hard. Um, so I, I, I love that question and I identify with that question because I've been going through a process of recognizing that what I said about discipleship toward Jesus, denying yourself, taking up your cross and following him, I've had a minimal amount of self-denial in my life. Minimal amount of taking up my cross. But I follow Jesus, and what I've realized is part of that is if I'm really following Jesus and it doesn't require a lot of an adjustment in my life, there's something wrong with how I'm thinking about this. Um, yeah, I don't, um, obviously we don't know who wrote this. I just wanted to whoever did say good job. I saw this question pop up and I was like, oh, I hope this gets up there. And I was really excited that it did. Um, I just, I just want to speak to the heart real for a moment. Um, we don't always do things well. And when we do, we feel shame. We feel guilt. We feel like we're unworthy. And, um, and I don't think that that's unique. I don't think discipleship is not part of what we experience when we don't do that well. Um, and, and so I would just, I just encourage, I think for all of us, the fact that um, we're humans and um, maybe we haven't done this well, that doesn't mean we give up. Uh, it means we turn to Jesus and we say, okay, I realize I can't do this on my own and I need you. Um, I, I think when I haven't done this well, it's because I try to do it in my own power. And I think we need to make sure that in those moments that we turn and we surrender to Jesus and we surrender to the Holy Spirit and we say, okay, you do this through me and don't let me do it myself. And, and that surrender is also the surrendering of the guilt and the shame of what we have done. Um, and so I, I agree 100% with what Matt and Travis said, but I also think that for those of us that have been, that this is true of, like we need to just surrender it and let it, let the Holy Spirit, let God heal us, but then move forward. I wanted to get up here and say, we'll just do better. But, um, but I think that's like, but that is also true. Um, we do need to do better, um, but we also need to be surrendered fully in order to do better. And so that requires a heart work in us um, when we fail at this. And it feels so much bigger because it, yeah. when we think of this as discipleship, Whereas if it was like learning to ride a bike and we just like, okay, I just need to do better. Um, the, f the impact, the felt impact is maybe different, but the emotional impact inside of us um, can still hold us back. And so we have to surrender that. Yeah. Another great question. Would you consider a member of the LGBTQ community to be a disciple of Christ and be able to lead others in discipleship? Um, would I consider someone... I, th I think I think I think what's important is the record we recognize your particular area that is not surrendered to Jesus does not determine your place in Christ biblically. If we're just going to talk scripturally, what is required for salvation? and to be forgiven of your sins. To come to Jesus, 
and surrender, repentance, and acceptance of him as Savior. Every single person who's gone through that has sinned repeatedly post-salvation. I, I think what we need to recognize is, I, I, think, the same, I think the same question also could be, uh, is a person, is a guy who's sleeping with his girlfriend but doesn't mean to, Is he a disciple of Jesus? And is he discipling others? Um, probably most of us would say, again, and that he's repentant, and he's kind of like, man, I, 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 didn't, I, didn't, I didn't set out to do this, but I really, it's a struggle. I think, I think those, are very, those are very similar and simple. And, and what about somebody, who, I mean, I think you can put all of those things. So I would say, the key to whether or not someone is a disciple of Jesus and discipling others is if they have a relationship with Jesus, regardless of where they are at in the place of obedience. And that is not to minimize obedience to what Jesus has called us to. But if salvation and relationship with Christ is boiled down to whether or not I am hitting on all cylinders, obeying Jesus, I have not been a Christian for most of my pastoral career. Ouch. Yeah. <clears throat> I think maybe embedded in that question may be the question of, I mean, maybe just as simple as like, what is this church's doctrine on sexuality? And I think that's a really fair and important question um, to ask. Um, and I think you could ask that question about a, a lot of different things and it would still head the same direction. But uh, Matt's mentioned before that we have a uh, traditional biblical uh, belief of, of sexuality, one man, one woman uh, in marriage um, for a lifetime, um, that that's where, what God created sex for. And I, I realize in a room this size with, you know, the people that are here, uh, not everyone may agree with that. Not everyone may see that Scripture says that, and, and you know, man, we, have, we have room for that conversation. But just for the sake of clarity, want to make sure we're answering that question in case that embedded in that question was, what, what, is, what is your view? I just, I want to say on that, though, is that every single, and this is much like what Matt said, every single one of us came from somewhere headed to Jesus. Every single one of us was somewhere in disobedience, in rebellion, in not imaging God well. And I think in the church, we have had a tendency in our culture to demonize certain sins and give passes to others. And so that doesn't unanswer that question, but I think it's really important for us to be asking that question about a lot of the things we do. Let me out one on myself. Does my gluttony, because I'm a glutton, just going to be honest, I eat too much. You can all see it. It's obvious, okay? Does my gluttony preclude me from being a disciple of Jesus and making disciples? No. But if I don't surrender it to Jesus, there's going to be issues. Christians are called to repent from the things that God has called us out of. 
There's no question about it. But to opt someone out because of where they've come from or what their experiences or who they're attracted to and to say, well, you got to take care of that first. Say that to yourself. What sins do you have that, that someone could say, you need to take care of that first, and then you can start moving towards Christ? I don't mean to be, like, harsh, but we need to start asking this question about a lot of things. That's a great question. I'm glad you asked it. Thank you for the opportunity to say we need to be asking this question about a lot of things that we do, that Christians do, that we give a pass to, but we tend to want to just look at that one. But we need to, we need, I'm not, that was a great question. Don't hear me wrong. We need to answer that question, be clear on it. I think we need to broaden the question as well. Well, <clears throat> I'm not going to out myself as a glutton, but, um, uh, or anything else in this moment. But, um, <laughs> I, uh, yeah, this is, I, I think we just need to acknowledge there's a lot packed into this question. And I think that we could probably spend a lot of time, like, walking through all of this. Um, and I'm not trying to oversimplify this, but I do want to kind of go back to, um, a, I think, a really basic moment is um, when Jesus interacted with people, he saw their faith in him first and every, everything else second. And I think that's an important thing for us to keep in mind. So whether it was um, the tax collector or the prostitute, or the Sadducee, or the lame person, he saw their faith first and everything else second. And I, and I think that we, um, it's easy to, to flip those. It is easy. We do it all the time. None of us are good at this. Um, but I think we have to go back to that moment and, and realize that... Um, Whatever community we're a part of, we do need to represent Jesus first because he needs to be the light in every community. Um, and, and I'm not, and, and don't take my words for anything other than just that simple fact. And, and I know that there's a lot packed into that. Um, but, um, but I can't get, a, I can't get, a, get away from Jesus' interactions in the New Testament, that he saw the faith first and everything else second. And, um, and I think we need, to, we need to settle on that a little more often than we do. And someone needs to Twitter that. Tweet, what is it? Tweety book? Tw Twitter? Someone needs to tweet that. <laughs> tweet. Tweety. Is this the motion for Twitter? <laughs> what? Nothing. Nothing. <laughs> Next question. Awesome question. That, by the way, whoever asked that question, thank you. What an awesome opportunity to talk through that. This question is great as well. These are all great questions. Uh, how do kids disciple people? And I see that it was edited. So what did you write in the first place is my question. Edited, Why can't edited, kids no. disciple people? <laughs> yeah, so read the question again. How do kids disciple people? How do kids disciple people? How do people? kids disciple people? Like, are we, and I think the question would be like, are we talking like, like how, like, what do they actually do? Or like, are we asking, is it possible for kids <laughs> yeah. to disciple people? I'm not sure where that's coming from, but. Um, I, I think kids, 
who know Jesus disciple others better than adults who know Jesus Word. in general. <laughs> um, I, I think it's true. I think, I mean, I think when I, I hear more stories about young kids who want to share Jesus, not because it is some kind of religious or moral or ethical approach to life, but because they just want their teacher at school to know Jesus and they don't think they do. And I think, I mean, I hear story after story after that. What's harder to hear is a person who, as an adult, who works somewhere and just really wants their boss to know Jesus. They might want him to, but, but oftentimes we don't do anything about that because of various reasons. But man, it's just, I, I think when Jesus says, you know, like faith, childlike faith, I think that's really significant. I, I think the, the reality for us is that we need to see everyone who has come to Jesus, who's expressed faith in Jesus as a disciple first. And so children who've expressed faith in Jesus are first and foremost disciples. Now they're at a place where they probably need a lot of guidance and they, and they have certain uh, areas where they don't have the freedom to make certain choices because they are, they are not mature enough yet to even sometimes make decisions that are even, will prolong their life past five. But I think one of the things we have to recognize is once that child is a disciple of Jesus, then God actually has something for them to do in that time and space in their life, in that present moment. And I think a lot of times as parents, as adults, we miss that and we tend to make kids more like us rather than more like Jesus. Um, and so I think, I think that's huge. I think, I think there's a billion ways that kids can disciple. And I, yeah. um, I, I think I'd, the first thing I'd say is just realize that kids are people. Um, <laughs> And, and, um, Wait, what? I know. <laughs> Crazy. Um, Dirty, and, smelly people. <laughs> <laughs> no, okay. Sorry. Uh, and, and just realize, like, I, I think, um, you know, how, how we interact with people um, of whatever age and whatever age of people that interact with us, um, first of all, I'd say, the, kind of speaking to what you're saying, Matt, the, the value of that, like seeing kids as the value of who they are in imagers of, of, of God is really important. But I think um, from kid to kid, they, they get to um, disciple in, I think, a much more natural, organic, loving way than oftentimes we do as adults. And, and so, like for the kids in the room, I just say, you know, do it, do it in the way that comes natural um, because we lose that naturalness as adults. I think back to like when I, so I became a Christian when I was 10, and I would say like that that 10 to like um, 18, I think was probably my best, I was the best at being a disciple maker and a disciple during that time, um, because I wasn't complicated with the rest of life. I wasn't afraid of what people might think. I wasn't afraid of what, well, what might happen if I do this, right? If I wasn't, like all of that, and kids don't have that. So there's this really rich opportunity for, for kids to do that. Um, and, and I would say from age, both up and down, um, kids can disciple their peers, those younger and those, those older. And, um, and so if you are a parent and you have one of those kids, like really foster that. Um, and that foster starts by you listening to them and seeing them as, as, as people. But, um, and, and for like the kids in the room, um, I would say just go for it. Um, just, just, 
You know, where, when you feel like the Holy Spirit is leading you to, to talk to somebody or you want to share something, like, do it. Um, because the, like, I remember the first time I did it, and it was like two days after I accepted Jesus, um, and I, this kid, Mike, was Mikey, and, um, and I was at the drinking fountain, and I was like, hey, let me, you know, do you know about Jesus? Because, you know, and, and he looked at me, and he's like, what are you talking about? And he kind of looked at me like I was weird. And I was like, okay, well, whatever. And I just went on with life. And that's the value of kids. Like, they have a great short memory. And so we just want to foster that. Um, and then realize, like, as I realized, when I got older, like at my grandpa's funeral, I had a voice into um, older relatives, my grandpa's siblings. I had a voice of Jesus into them that, um, that other people didn't. And, and when my dad, before he became a Christian, we had a voice into him that um, nobody else did. And so realizing that that voice of the kids, that discipleship of kids um, is just as real and strong and potential, uh, has as much potential as anything else. And so that's the value that they bring. Just to say, in my head canon right now, I believe Brett actually offered that kid at the drinking fountain. He said, I have a drinking fountain that you'll never be thirsty again. I have the drinking fountain of life. So that's what I believe happened. It didn't, but that's okay. I, I think they covered it really well. I would just add to this that um, my kids are blowing me away with their disciple making compared to mine. They are. They are. They are putting themselves into situation to love people, sacrifice for people, be there for people. That <clears throat> one thing about kids is that they, the younger they are, the less impulse control they have. And that can be a rough thing. It can also be an awesome thing. When it comes to sharing the love of Jesus, I have way too much impulse control. So my kids, if you want to learn how to be a disciple maker, talk to my kids, don't talk to me. So, um, that's all I got to say about that. Next question. Um, let's see. Um, oh, how do I be a good disciple of Jesus with non-believing family members that roll their eyes whenever I mention his name? Hmm. Um, outlast their criticism of your life by outloving them. Yes. And that's how they'll know that you're a disciple of Jesus. Do you just want to drop that mic right now? <laughs> you both have had some, like, tweety, tweety things that could be tweeted. Um, yeah, I, 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 I mean, Matt worded it probably way better than I did, but I, I, I think that that's very true. Realize that, like, um, I, don't, I, I want to be careful how I say this, but essentially... Um, we know that with Jesus comes a, a level of peace and comfort and love and security that we can't get anywhere else. And that apart from Jesus, we experience a whole different level of, of chaos um, and, um, and, and, uh, and tra tragedy, tragedy um, and, and all sorts of ugliness in life. And by you loving that relative, even though they roll their eyes, when they hit that moment, guess where they turn? They turn to you. So grace and mercy is, is the two words I would add to what Matt said, is just 
more grace and more mercy than you could ever imagine. Um, and I think this applies to anyone, not just family members who might, you know, roll their eyes every 10 years, but anyone. Um, I think it's really important. Our, our theology informs our practice. And so one thing we need to realize about um, the salvation of any individuals but is that before you ever share the gospel with them, the Holy Spirit is doing work, plowing the field. And there are some people that just for whatever reason, the, the field that, um, you know, to plant the seed in is, isn't, the Holy Spirit's not done with his work yet. And there are going to be people who are going to be shut off to that. And so don't, I would, you know, get, I just say, take the freedom. Um, if someone is super resistant to the gospel, keep loving them, keep being in their life, but don't keep trying to shove the gospel down their throat. Um, I think about when Jesus sent out the, the, the 12 and the 72, and he sent them out two by two, and he says, hey, if someone rejects what you have to say, move on. Move on. I, I think with people in our lives that we love, we're not going to move on relationally. We're going to keep loving them out, like Matt said, outlast them with love. But don't try to force an issue that the Holy Spirit hasn't yet prepared them fully for. So I would say if you're in that position and you mention Jesus and you still get that response, um, just keep praying. Don't try to force the gospel down their throat. Back off a little bit. Just keep praying. Um, and, and then come back to it. Or when they have a need, come and be there for it and see what the Lord does to prepare them for, for the gospel. Um, the Holy Spirit's the one who leads people to Jesus, not us. We're part of it. We're the, we, we make disciples, but we're really riding on his coattails. That's why prayer, that's why being in the word, that's why learning to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit through time with him is so important because he's going to tell you when to move. He's going to tell you when to stay still. He's going to tell you when to speak. He's going to tell you when to be quiet and just love. So important. So very important. Um, can, we, can we do one more? You want to do Yeah, what one? Yeah, just because um, this question came up for service. Okay. And, and so I think it's, it'd, be, it'd be great to, to reference this one as well. It says, how is discipling different than influencing? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I think, I don't think there's really a difference. Um, discipleship is influencing someone towards something. Um, and I think, again, for me, it's a recalibration of thinking in these terms for me of saying everything I do, everyone I come interaction with is discipleship. And so I think influence and discipleship is very similar. I think uh, discipleship is, has a greater level of commitment and weight to it than influence might. But if you're influencing someone to some degree, you're, you're discipling them. So, and, and I would add to that, the one difference just between like the more general term of influence and discipleship is the content and direction. So influence, you can influence someone to like Mac or PC better. Are people still arguing over that? I don't think people are still arguing that, right? But like, or like, you know, you can influence someone, you know, for a lot of different things. Um, disciple making, as Jesus spoke about it, is discipling them towards Jesus, so, so the disciple-making influence is, am I living my life in a way, speaking the gospel, living the gospel with the people that are around me, 
in a way that influences them towards Jesus, towards loving to Jesus, towards surrendering to Jesus, towards obeying Jesus. Um, I think that would be a, a difference, just semantically, the difference between when we say discipleship and influence. There's a lot of things we can influence towards. Disciple making, we can disciple people towards a lot of different things, but disciple making as Jesus defined it is Jesus' word. Yeah, I think I think the um, the only other piece is realizing that both in disciple discipleship and in influence, there's there's the um, kind of direct way to do it, and then there's the indirect, and and we can um, we can do both, um, and and should be doing both. The big piece I think in in this is that when we talk about discipleship, we're really talking about influencing people to love and to grow in intimacy with Jesus whether they don't know him or have known him for 100 years, um, that is the only destination that is acceptable. Um, when we think of influencing, there's 100 different destinations that we typically would look at and that say um, we're influencing towards, but we need to be exclusively influencing towards intimacy and growth with Jesus, and that's it. Every week we want to give, we, we're running out of time, so just really quickly, we want to give some practices, some very practical, here is what to step into this week, um, and this term, what is discipleship, well, how do we step into that, Matt, do you have any thoughts on that? And I'd say for me, it's more of, it is more of a mindset change, it's more of a recalibration of what I'm thinking about and how I'm thinking, and that is that everything I do in my engagement of anyone is discipleship and I and it is discipling them toward something or someone. And so for me, the, the practice is to start the day with today I am going to be discipling and asking uh, the Spirit to give me the awareness and the strength to disciple people towards Jesus. And at the end of the day, to ask myself, Looking through the events of the day, who did I disciple people toward? Was I more passionate about some of my ideologies or what's happening in current events that actually overshadowed the person of Jesus? Or was I more passionate about Jesus in the midst of those things? Yeah, and I would, I would say too, just from a practical standpoint, um, we all need people who are farther along in their walk with the Lord pouring into us, and we all need to be pouring into someone. You know, I was reading just yesterday, I think it was in 2 Timothy, where Paul says to Timothy, hey, the stuff, so these are the generations, the stuff Paul taught Timothy, Timothy, teach to reliable people who can teach others. There's like four generations in one sentence there. And so I think even just, and you're like, how how would I have the time for that? Are there people that you already get together with who love the Lord, who may be a little bit farther along than you, and maybe you just get together and talk about life and stuff? What if that was a little bit more focused? What if you said, hey, what if when we got together, we talked about Jesus, what he's doing in our lives, we repent, we, we move towards him, we talk about scripture, those types of things. You can take something you're already doing, not add something to your calendar, and all of a sudden that can become discipleship. What about someone that you're just a half step in front of? and you're following of Jesus, that can turn into discipleship just based on what it's focused on, what that time is focused on. And for a lot of us, I think there's times where we need to take something out of our calendar and put time into our calendar that we're saying, 
this is going to be time that I'm going to be investing in my kids, investing in my friends, investing in the people at Starbucks that I know but that don't know Jesus. I mean, those are things we have to make some decisions and value decisions on. Is it worth it? Is it worth it for me to say no to something that's fine but that isn't building the kingdom of God so that I can say yes to building the kingdom of God? Is, you got to ask that question. Is it worth it? Is it worth it for you to say no to something so you can say yes to the command of Jesus to make disciples? I, I, that, it's a hard question to answer. It's hard to figure out sometimes in our life, what do I let go? And sometimes it's like I don't let go of anything. I pivot what I'm already doing because that might be the place I'm in. Um, I, uh, I'll be just really practical. Um, and I said this last service, and I think Matt just stole it from me again. But... Um, <laughs> Uh, I, I would just say um, start your day uh, in intimacy with Jesus, asking him, who do you want me to disciple today? And, and let that be the thing that is forefront on your mind. So whether that's uh, sharing the gospel with someone who has never heard it before or it's sharing the gospel with someone who already knows it, and you can do that as a point of encouragement. Um, I stole that from Matt, just so you know. Um, uh, but let that be the forefront of your mind. Um, let that be the thing that carries you through the day. Don't let it be, oh, I have to remember to be this or to do this. But let it be, I need to remember to constantly check with the Holy Spirit of who do you want me to be in discipleship with um, today? And then, um, and then when you hear that, just go with it. This has been awesome. I'm so glad that we can field these questions and do the best we can to respond to them and, and know what's on your heart as the church family. And uh, what a great time. Before we leave today, we do want to take communion together. Um, so if you would take your communion and um, open up that bread. We want to remember when we celebrate communion together that um, this reminds us of what Jesus did on the cross. But he... he the context that he gave us this in was in community around a table. We're supposed to do this together. And that reminds us that we are bound to Christ and we are bound to each other. Um, we are bound to him. We are bound to each other in mission. Paul says that we should do this until Jesus returns. So there's a focus on the fact that Jesus is returning. How many people will be found ready when he returns? And so we eat this bread and we drink this cup in remembrance of his sacrifice, remembrance of the family he created because of his Holy Spirit and remembrance that he's returning maybe sooner than we think. Um, and will we be found ready? Will the people, people who live in this earth be found ready? So you take a moment, just close your eyes. Would you examine your heart? Examine yourself? Apostle Paul tells us we should examine ourselves. Are we in the faith, are we, what is our relationship with the Lord like right now? Have we surrendered to him? Is there anything we need to give over to him? Is there anything we need to thank him for? Is there any relationship that we need to mend? And spend some moments also just thanking him for his sacrifice.
family, let's gather around our Father's dining room table and let's eat this bread in remembrance of his son. Jesus also said, this is the blood of the new covenant. Every time you drink it, do it in remembrance of me. So together, at our Father's table, let's remember that his son's blood was spilt and drink the cup in remembrance of him. Our Father, this whole life is about you and for you and to you. Remind us of who we are. Remind us of what you've called us to. And may we be faithful and courageous in all those things. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks so much for listening. We hope you feel inspired and moved by what God is doing here at Crosspoint. Point.